Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. Um, let's talk about Galatians. Paul says some crazy stuff in the book of Galatians. Would you agree? If you've read or paid attention at all, you know that this is true. He asked them, what has caused you to desert what you know? Who has bewitched you? He's condemned the false teacher. He's condemned them for listening to the false teacher. He says, you're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. He is just hammering down the whole time. He just, he's destroying this false ideology that um, you have to mix grace with anything. The sin in particular that the false teachers were trying to convince them to commit was to fall back into the law through circumcision, but it can be any thing that we mix with grace that can separate us from Christ. And that's, that's what the scripture says in verse 5. He says you're separated from, severed from. Those are pretty declarative statements because you have fallen away from that which you knew. You had this grace. You understood grace. I taught grace to you. I walked you through it. You made a declaration of it. And then somebody else comes in after I leave, tell you something crazy, and you think that that's the right way to do it. Paul is talking some crazy stuff to them to the point that last week, and Pastor Rick didn't really talk a whole lot about it, but it's, it's pretty significant when Paul says, I wish that those who are troubling you, that is the false teacher, would mutilate themselves. You know what that means? I'm going to pull this away from my beard for a little minute. It means I wish that they would castrate themselves. If they think cutting off for the sake of circumcision is enough, why don't they do the whole deal? And people in church go, well, you can't talk like that, man. This is church. Paul said it. I could say it. You shouldn't add anything to the grace that's been given. There is no other gospel except for Christ and Him crucified. That you were sinners, judged, headed for a eternity separated from God in hell, but Christ Jesus came, did a work of grace in your life, and through acceptance of that work of grace, <coughs> caused you to be saved. Stop trying to add work to it. And through this whole letter, he's very pointed about it. Amen? Why would he say such a thing? Why would he hurt? This is a relative question for today's society. Why would he be willing to hurt other people's feelings? Because you know, somebody in the church was all, I can't believe he said that. Can you, did you hear the pastor? Did you hear what pastor said? Why was Paul less concerned about that, what they would say and more concerned about the will of God? Because the will of God is more significant than what you would say. And so we are responsible to declare the truth. Paul was responsible to declare the truth. And so he determined that he would explain that truth to them, theologically, to which he, he goes to great lengths to do in chapters 1 through 5. For one reason, because he loved them. You guys know one of my favorite verses is that um, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies his kisses. If you've hurt, been hurt by the truth, 
You haven't been hurt. You've been convicted. There's a difference. But if I tell you, you know what? You live in that sin. It's okay. I'm hurting you. Through my being nice about the sin you're living in, I'm telling you I don't care anything about you. And that's not what God called me to do. That's not what God called Pastor Rick to do. Pastor Pierce. None of us. And certainly not Paul. Because we love enough to tell the truth. And this is the command that Jesus gave us. In John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus says this, I make a new, command, a new commandment I give to you. That is to love one another, even as I have loved you. We've talked about this before. But the, the golden rule, the, the greatest commandments is love God and love people. But he says, I got a new commandment. I don't want you just to love one another. I want you to love one another like I loved you. Prove your love by showing that you care about you, the people you love sacrificially. Because that's how Jesus proved his love to us. If that means sacrificing our relationship at the altar of the truth, then that's okay. I'll sacrifice our relationship at the altar of the truth. Because it betters you if you will listen. Amen? In John, 1 John 3.18, he says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. Only, I put it only in parentheses, it's my own thought, but in deed and truth. We've got to quit giving lip service to church. We've got to stop saying, it's okay if they do this, it's okay if they do that, and love them enough not just by giving them lip service, but by committing our lives to them, to the sake of the truth, so that they may know, so that we all may know. When I say they, I mean me too, because my pastor corrects me, because my pastor ain't scared to tell me stuff. It's the reason why I'm excited about him coming next week, or this Sunday, because I know my pastor, he, he's not scared to tell me the truth, because he loves me. Paul wasn't scared to tell the truth, because he loved them. And out of that text, out of the text of Galatians, we see this love. This heart yearning, if you will, for the people to accept the truth and not mire themselves back into a yoke of slavery according to 5.1. And that's my desire for you too. And then in five or chapter 6, now that he's discussed theological truths, the fact of the matter is they were in a bad way. And so he begins a discussion about restoring them. He said, these are all the truths in chapter 1 through 5. You have to know who you are, know what grace is. You've got to know how to walk in the Spirit, that it's necessary to be take off the old self, put on the new self. But let me show you how to restore yourself. Let me show you how to restore one another. And he starts this discussion in 6.1 with a teaching I'm going to title Restoring the, Bar Restoring the Brethren. And then so I'm going to read chapter 6 in its entirety to you. Brethren, even if anyone is caught up in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. You know what the law of Christ is? Love. Verse 
For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and he will not reason for boasting. He will have, he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. But then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Everybody say all people. That's pretty inclusive, man. That doesn't leave anybody out. That means it doesn't matter if you like them, you don't like them. Your job is to love them anyway. And especially to those who are in the household of faith, stating that that should start right here. If you can't love people in here, you're certainly not going to love them out there. I'm going to get more to that in a minute. See with what large letters I am writing to you in my own hand. I love the personality in that text. Paul says, listen, I'm writing boldly and intentionally because I need you to hear me. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For, the cross of Christ. for those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh, so that they may brag about their own ministry, the thing that they're doing instead of worrying about what Christ did on the cross. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one outside, no one cause trouble for me for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, brother. Amen. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. God, we've heard Paul's argument for keeping the purity of the gospel. And I know that myself, I oftentimes find myself wanting to mix in my own personal checklist to make sure that I'm okay. God, I ask that you show me where that's not true, that reveal to me by the power of your Holy Spirit, reveal to all of us that by your Spirit that, that we can't work our way into relationship with you. There's nothing we can add to or take away from. But God, that the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ, was all sufficient for all things. So, God, I ask that you give me clarity of speech and a humility as we discuss what it means to cause us to be restored to you as we should. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, having read the text, I'm going to make three points real quick. The first one is we restore the deceived, which the people in Galatians were received, by helping them carry the load. Paul's not talking about pick up some stuff and help him carry weight. He's talking about bearing one another's burdens. We have to learn to bear one another's burdens. In verse 1, 
really just the first half of verse 1. He said, Brother, even if anyone is caught up in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore such a one. Those of you who call yourself spiritual, and indeed, I would caveat, and indeed actually are spiritual, understand the grace of God given to us by the cross of Christ, that you restore one another, that you bring the people around you back into relationship with God. I, I asked a question of some friends in preparation for this lesson. I, I asked them, I said, tell me the difference between dis, discipline and punishment. And this is what we need to keep in mind when we restore the brother. Is that discipline and punishment are two different things. Discipline has the intent of restoration. Punishment has no such intent it's just punishment for the sake of punishment. So when we restore someone, we understand that we're trying to bring them back to a place where they're in proper relationship with Jesus. When my girls were small, when I would paddle them, and they would get paddling, so that offends any of y'all, it's the way it is. We would paddle them, but before I paddled them, I would sit them down, I would talk to them about what they had done. We had a discussion about it. Ask them, how many times have I told you not to do this? We would have an actual conversation prior to the paddling. Then the paddling would happen. And then I would sit them back down, talk to them again, see how they were, how they felt, how, they, how it caused them to feel besides the actual pain. I would make them hug me before they leave. And then I told them, we have the law of Jesus here. Which means once that sin is forgiven once that trespass is forgiven unless you do it again we're not talking about it anymore why would we do it this way because the purpose was restoration not punishment god's plan for us and our plan for each other should always be to bring us back to the place we were before we committed the trespass and that's what jesus did for us that's god's eternal plan for us in isaiah i love this particular text in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. Declare, this is the piece I want you to catch. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish my good pleasure. What's his good pleasure? To restore the end from the beginning. Now that sounds backwards. You want to go from beginning to end. God says he's trying to make your end like your beginning. Well, what was your beginning? If you go all the way back into human history, the beginning was us walking beautifully and perfectly in the cool of the day with God. That's the beginning. He's trying to make our end look like that. And praise God, he says, I am God. And I, which means I have the authority and I will accomplish my pleasure, which means that he has the authority and the power and the ability to do it. And so if that's what God does for us, if that's the landscape of Scripture, and it really is from cover to cover, the restorative plan of God over our life, then we should be able to restore one another with the same heart that God has. That when we restore a brother, we don't dog them, we don't treat them badly we don't treat them poorly we don't talk to them aggressively but instead we in gentleness bring them back to a place through correction 
as they were before it all started. Isn't that beautiful? It is. Where we get mixed up, and the reason why we don't want to do it is because people are stupid. You know, oh, you, oh, you can't say stupid. You know, we tell our kids, don't say stupid. But God says stupid. I prove it to you. Hold on a second. Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. People get offended and they leave the church. And so we're all, I'm not going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to try to restore you because I'm worried about your feelings. I'm more worried about your meat being in the seat and your change being in the bucket than I am about your eternal soul. And that's not the pleasure of God for your life or mine. Amen? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching good up here. <laughs> but that's just the first half of the first verse. It says, in a spirit of gentleness, each one look into yourself. So that you will not be tempted. And that's where we ensure that the offense doesn't happen. I touched on this a little bit in gospel conversations this last Sunday. About how you can't hate somebody into heaven. But you can hate yourself into hell. So instead of beating them in the head with the truth. How about you have a conversation with them. A conversation based in love for them. Relationship with the purpose of restoration with them. Brother, you're not walking according to the way you should be walking. Let me show you how to get it right. That's the conversation I want to have. But we live in a world today that says, you can't judge me. Like they do that too. You can't judge me. Get all crazy necked. But the fact of the matter is, we're called to judge you. You know what I'm not called to do? I'm not called to judge the unbeliever. This is going to sound worse than it is. But I've never kicked a dog for being a dog. You can't blame the unspiritual people for doing unspiritual stuff. You can't judge them. The only thing you can do for them is preach the gospel to them that the Spirit might reveal God to you or to them. But we are called to judge one another. Judge not lest you be judged is a command to acknowledge the fact that you should judge, but know that by the same standard you're going to be judged. So you better not be a hypocrite. In Matthew 23, this was the sin of the Pharisees and the scribes. Six different times he says, hypocrite, this, hypocrite, 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 hypocrite. You think Jesus was trying to get a point to them? Judge not lest you be judged. And if we keep that in mind, then we'll walk in a spirit of gentleness and love them and restore them as is God's plan for them. Paul said all the stuff that he said, all the crazy stuff that he said, but you hear his heart in it. Even in the reading of the text, you know he's telling them, who has bewitched you? you why is your love waned? What happened? What can I do to get you back home? Amen? So this should be our desire. This should be our purpose too. Because according to 1 through 6, and I'm not going to go back and read them, we have to recognize that we're jacked up too. In examining someone else's load and helping them carry it, we have to examine our load. 
back to the hypocritical thing I was just talking about, I can't say, you should do this, 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 and this. I have to be humble and gentle, recognizing that I carry, deal with, struggle, pursue God for the sake of my own righteousness too, because my righteousness lacks too. You know, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to have any unrighteousness. Hello, my name is Jim Kubik. It's nice to meet you. I'm doing the best I can by the Spirit of God, but I ain't getting it right yet. But I praise God that He loves me enough to get me more right all the time. Amen? This is what we should remember. Ah, man, I just want us to love each other. Can we just love each other? Can we see somebody doing something stupid? And instead of just beating them over the head with it, just say, Come here, brother. It's okay. It's not okay what you're doing. But there's a place of okay for you. Bought and paid for you by the cross of Christ Jesus. And through that, not punish them, but restore them. That's good. God's good. Because we have to be as conscious of the fact that the enemy's working in our life as that we are the idea that somebody that the enemy's working in someone else's. The Bible's clear to say in 1 Peter 5.8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lowering lion seeking someone to devour. You know who that someone is? It could be you too. We're always wanting to judge somebody else according to a different ruler than we judge ourselves. We could ever get to a place where we judge ourselves as equally as we judge everybody else. I heard a quote one time that said, we judge everybody else by their action, we judge ourselves by our intent. How about we just start judging each other according to the word of God, lovingly so that others may be restored, including ourselves, instead of causing ourselves to end up in a ditch. Ooh, come on, man, I'm about to get my Holy Spirit on in here. God's good. Number two. We restore the fallen by helping them understand reaping and sowing. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. There's a warning. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, which is right now, do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This law of agriculture is self-evident. You put a seed in the ground, you're going to reap a harvest. Whether that's good or bad, whatever you put out there, you're going to harvest. It's not mysticism. That's not new age stuff. That's the truth of the scripture. If I treat you hatefully, I can reap hate. If I treat you lovingly, I will reap love. The Bible's over and over and over again. We see this Job 4.8, even as early as Job, which was the first actual written book in scripture, just so you know. Job 4.8, according to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble, that's sowing, harvest it, which means reap it. You want a life of destruction in your life? Reap destruction. That's exactly what you'll get back. But you know what I found? I found that one seed never produces one seed. One seed produces 100 seeds or 1,000 seeds. 
When Angela and I first got married, I was messed up. I was upside down. I wasn't even saved. And so, because I wasn't saved and I acted the way that I did, I put a lot of seed in the ground. And somebody asked me, they said, when am I going to have to stop, not me, but them? I said, when it, they said, when am I going to have to stop bearing the seed or the fruit that I put seed in the ground for? And I said, I don't know. Depends on how big that seed is and what, pro, what, what it produces. If you put a flower seed in the ground, you're going to get a little bit of shade. It's not going to take you very long to walk out of that. You put an oak tree seed in the ground, it's going to take a little longer to walk outside the shadow, shadow of that. So sometimes we deal with what we deal with because we put a seed in the ground. And depending on the size of that seed, it's going to take us longer to walk outside the shadow of that seed, of that fruit. But that's okay. You know why? Because God is in the work of restoration. If you will acknowledge, this is the seed I put in the ground. God, I ask that you forgive me of that seed. God has an incredible way of cutting that brush back so that the shadow isn't as long as it could be. Amen? Reap and sow. We see this even in the lives of our own children. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. That's to sow. Sow your life into the training of your children. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. That's the reaping. But it's also a reaping that is, that is greater. Because as you guys know, we have a grandson. We're pretty excited about that grandson. We're trying to sow into his life righteousness, pray over him, speak truth and life into him because I know that generations after generations after generations God will honor the covenant that he has through the lives of his children amen I praise God for my covenant because I know that Paul told King Hezekiah I will save you he didn't say I'll save you because you're cool he said, because of your, my servant David, I will save you. His great-great-great-grandfather saved Hezekiah because of the righteousness of his great... Man, I could go on and on about that. Reap what you sow. But we should, we should sow love that we might reap love. Amen? And so, I've got a lot more notes here, but I'm not going to use all of them. I think I probably covered my point there and number three we restore the fallen by teaching them to boast in Christ not works the summation of Paul's teaching to Galatians is seen in the rest of this chapter he said for those who are circumcised do not keep the law themselves but they desire to have the have you circumcised so they may boast in your flesh they're trying to brag about themselves they don't care about you you guys have heard it. Man, I, get to, I grow weary. Can I tell you what I grow weary of? When I sincerely want to know how another church is doing. And I meet with a pastor and have a cup of coffee and say, man, how's your church? Are you okay? And the first thing they do is give me the number of people they had in their church that Sunday. I didn't ask you how big your church was. I asked about the love and the health of your church. You brag about your numbers. You're bragging about your ministry. It ain't your ministry. How is life change happening there? We declared from the very beginning 
that if we had 10 people faithful to the Word of God and willing to put their hands to love in this community, we'd take that over 1,000 any day. Because we can't brag about who we are. Because we are nothing. But that Christ Jesus thought enough of us to be crucified so that we could be in relationship with him. Next time you try to restore somebody back to a misteaching or maybe even to the Lord, tell them the truth that I can't help you. But I know someone who can. And he wants to so badly that according to the word, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is how you restore the brethren. This is what Paul wanted us to know. That it's based in love and flows through us and around us and demands something from us. Amen?